Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. In the lobby of Financial Peace Plaza, James and Kelly are with us. Hey guys, how are you? Good, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. Welcome, welcome. Good to have you. Thanks for Where having do you guys us. live? We live in North New Jersey. Oh, cool. Very good. In the New York, New York City area, huh? Yes, 20 yeah. miles outside. All right, perfect. So you're WOR listeners, I assume. Yes. Cool. So what are you doing in Nashville? We are here uh, for a few things. One thing is we're here to do our debt-free scream. Mm-hmm. And we are also here uh, celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. Well, congratulations. And, and my wife's birthday. Well, okay. happy birthday. That's cool. We'll just turn this into a Palooza then. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Very cool. Well, congratulations, Thank you two. You. All right. How much debt have James and Kelly from New Jersey paid off? $120,000. Oh, I love it. And how long did that take you? Just about four years. Very good. So what do you guys do? I've been a stay-at-home mom since our oldest daughter was born 28 years ago. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I'm an internal auditor. Okay. Very Mm -hmm. cool. Well, there must be a lot of internals to be audited. (laughs) You're doing great, buddy. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Proud of you. So what caused you to start this journey to get out of debt four years ago? Well, actually, what happened was uh, we offered uh, Financial Peace University was offered at our church, Liquid Church up in New Jersey. Yeah. And Kelly told me that we were going to make a 13-week commitment during the summer. Well, I didn't tell him how many weeks it was going to be. I just told him I signed us up for a class. <laughs> and he said, you mean every Sunday for the whole summer we're going to sit in a class? I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> so we ended up, uh, we didn't miss a class. And uh, it, it has changed our life like you wouldn't believe. Let's have a debt-free scream. James and Kelly from New Jersey listening on WOR Radio. $120,000 paid off in four years. Count it down. Let's hear a debt-free scream. Three, two, one. We're debt-free! Debt <laughs> I love it, Let's you guys. Let's hear it for James and Kelly. They're actually here today. We're so glad that you guys are here. Cool to see people from our church taking steps towards financial freedom, towards margin, or living below our limits. Uh, And that's really what this series 24-6 is about. It's about living within our God-given limits so that we experience the kind of ease and the lightness of burden that Jesus promised. Um, I want to welcome you to Liquid Church. I'm Pastor Tim. And today we're going to touch a pretty stressful subject, and that is your money, or maybe your lack thereof. We don't talk about this all the time, but in a series on kind of living past our limits, we've got to talk about finances, because if you're like me... You live in New Jersey, you feel the squeeze. We live in one of the most expensive places in the country, and we are one of the most debt-ridden generations in history. Our generation is coming of age with uh, the language of government bailouts, you know, know, credit down ratings, double-dip recessions. And you may say, well, wait, why are we talking about that in church? And the answer is because debt is a profoundly spiritual issue according to the Bible. When we even talk about salvation, we say Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt, the debt of our sin. He purchased our salvation with his blood. He who was rich became poor. Those are economic terms, and it's a profoundly spiritual issue. In fact, Jesus talked more about the topic of money and our stuff than he did about heaven and hell combined. In other words, it's very hard to be a servant of Christ when you're a slave to MasterCard. 
Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If you're just joining us, this concept of 24-6 is really about that God doesn't want us to live 24-7. Stretched past the breaking point where our load exceeds our limit. He wants us to live with margin, where there is extra space between what we take on and what we can sanely handle. And for the last two weeks, we have said that you want that extra buffer space or margin uh, in your schedule, what the Bible calls Sabbath. God says, I want you to live not 24-7, 24-6. One day a week is called the Sabbath, where you stop your work, you reconnect or refocus and worship your creator and love your family and others well. It's a slower, a saner, slower way to live, really. And just like you want that in your schedule, you want that in your finances. See, when you're underwater, when you are stretched past your limit financially, it is a stressful way to live. And I know some people in our church really need a Sabbath from your spending. One family sent me an email that said this. They said, uh, Pastor Tim, in our family, the main cause of stress is our money. Talk about no margin. There's a big pile of overdue bills on our desk that I don't even want to look at. My husband and I made some poor financial choices years ago, and we've carried a huge debt load ever since. It's a constant source of tension in our home, and honestly, we feel helpless to dig our way out. Help. Well, that's what I want to give you today. I want to give you help, and I want to give you hope, because God's word is actually very practical on this topic of financial freedom, on, on living with margin through money. So would you open your Bible, all our campuses, open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's on page 831. This is our core scripture today. My prayer is that God's going to open some eyes here, and this may be a moment for you where you say, you know, this is the year where I learn to handle money God's way, because how you handle your finances is a big deal. Here in 1 Timothy 6, the apostle Paul's writing to a young guy named Timothy. Uh, He's probably in his 20s or 30s, and he gives him this key counsel in verse 9. Take a look at this. It says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a, let's, let's read all the highlighted words together, ready? A trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the what? Love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many what? Griefs. You can circle that word griefs because maybe it's painful to think about your finances today. I see some of you like cringing, like, oh, no, we're not going to talk about this. You know, this is painful. I don't want to think about it. Just to mention the word debt, you're like, oh, no, well, here's the deal. If you feel grief about the debts that you're carrying, you're not alone. Does anyone want to take a guess on what the average credit card debt is of the average American? Just average. Anybody? The average American carries $16,000 in credit card debt at any time. That's not including mortgages. This is mainly credit cards. And some of you are thinking, well, finally, I am above average, uh, you know, when it comes to something in church, right? What's in your wallet? Probably a bunch of these. If you're like me, you likely get offers every day in the mail. I was in college when I got my first credit card. It was a Discover card or a Debt Discover card. Uh, Do you remember that one? Uh, I was like a college or something. They were giving them out on campus and they said, hey, you get a $20 credit if you can get some other sucker to get a Discover card. And so my girlfriend and my wife now at the time, we, uh, she got a card too, and we began ringing it up. Uh, stupid stuff. We went out to dinner, bought tickets to shows and concerts and stuff, went shopping at the mall. We spent money we didn't have on stuff we didn't need, and it was intoxicating. Discover was our gateway drug because after that, we discovered 
MasterCard, and then she's discovered Visa, and then I discovered American Express, and I got an Amex card my senior year. I hadn't had a job in my life, and I get an Amex card, right? And like thousands of other kids in my generation, we went skipping down the road, piling up this stupid credit card debt, making minimum monthly payments until senior year when everything hit the fan. My wife's parents discovered that she had $7,000 in credit card debt. I had a couple myself that did not include our school loans. And so we fortunately, we got jobs right away. And so we figured, well, you know, that'll, that'll help us. We'll be gainfully employed. So, you know, we rented an apartment. You know, we got our first car lease or car fleece, I should say. And after our wedding, we had two incomes. So I figured we're not going to have any income problems. We had income problems. In it comes, out it goes, Okay. We would pay off a little bit here and there, and, but then you know what happens, right? We go on vacation, you gain it all back. It's like a bad diet. And by year four, we knew something was wrong because here we are, two gainfully employed professional adults with over $20,000 in credit card debt. It was this huge weight on our back. It caused a lot of stress in our marriage. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you're the person in your family who does the checkbook and you see your spouse walk in with a bunch of bags being like, you should see what I got on sale. You're like, no, you get all emotional, right? You get kind of jacked up. Or if, if you know, if you're living underwater in your family and then, um, you know, your car breaks down or the water heater bursts, you get very upset and, and, and your spouse or kids are like, man, what's with you? Every time we talk about money, you get all uptight. Why? Because when financial margin shrinks and debt increases, so does your stress level. And Colleen and I lived like that for a long time. We just kind of limped along through life financially. Basically, we learned how to transfer balances of one card to the other one. Don't you love that? And like, if you can transfer the balance of this one, credit card roulette, right? Because the secret is credit card companies, they don't want you to pay your debt, okay? When you pay your bills and don't carry a balance, you are a nightmare for them. Because this is how the trap works. Now, look at God's word with fresh eyes. Look at this. Paul writes, people who want to buy stuff they don't need with money they don't have, want to get rich, fall into temptation in what? A trap. Would you circle that word? I'm going to teach you the Greek meaning of the word. The Greek for this is the word pagus. Can you say it? Pagus? And it means a noose or a snare. This is what Paul is talking about. It actually was a noose that they used for hunting animals or controlling slaves. And the idea that Paul's getting at is that the desires that we have inside that drive our debt can grow very destructive very quick. There's nothing wrong with the basics. We all need food, shelter, and clothing, and you get that. Everything we own is God's. He's our father. He provides our basic needs. But he says, I know something else about you. You like new stuff. You like shiny gadgets. You like strappy shoes. You like new furniture. You like a new car lease every couple of years, and that's when the pagus or the noose tightens, and it starts squeezing the life out of you. I want to demonstrate to you how the pagus works in modern terms. Parents, if you've got a teenager or a college student, I've heard have people say, say, I'm going to get my kids. They're coming back. They need to hear this. I want to show you how this works in modern terms. Let's pretend you're thinking about getting a new TV. Because you've been sitting here, you haven't heard a word I said, you're just like, those are some sweet flat screen TVs up there. What is that, a 60-inch, you know, set? And you know in a couple weeks what's coming up, guys. We're going to watch the Super Bowl. you got to watch it on a flat screen. And I actually had some guy come up to me. He said, dude, can I borrow one of those for the Super Bowl? And I'm like, no, they're Jesus' TVs, and only he and I get to watch them, all right? So, man, let's say you take a field trip to Best Buy, okay? You're like, fine, I'll get my own. 
and you see this wall of 60-inch high-definition televisions, and you're like, oh, man, we're going to watch the big game on the big screen because that's how they're marketing it. And Best Buy is running a special. You get the 60-inch television, surround sound speakers, HDMI, all the tinsel for $4,999. And you're like, that's crazy. I can't afford that. But wait, it's on sale because it's the Sabbath. So, so $3,699 is on Sabbath. We go and so that's $1,300 in savings. And you're like, it would almost be a sin not to do this. I'm saving money. And you start thinking how to look on the wall. And the salesman says, you know what? Don't even sweat that. You don't even have to actually pay anything today. I would love to give you a Best Buy courtesy card where you will make zero payments with zero interest for an entire year. And you're like, are you serious? Yes. Lord, you answered my prayers. I have this puny TV, and I can walk out here with this TV for no money? Correct. Pogus. You begin falling for the trap. So you go to the cashier, and you know what she says? She says, oh, that's great. She goes, you're going to put it install it yourself? And you're like, yeah, I'll just plug it in. Well, no, this goes on a wall, right? There's a 349 installation fee. And you're like, what? Oh, and she goes, but it's going to look great again. Zero down, zero. Okay. And suddenly the news starts tightening. And then she says, and you want insurance, right? You're going to want the three-year protection plan Best Buy gives. That's a 649. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not stupid. She goes, no, no, no. This isn't stupid. Insurance is a good thing. Most TVs break down in the first three years. It covers parts and labor will replace the entire thing. You're still saving. And so you agree to that. And then you got to add 347 for tax. You got to pay Obama. And so now the grand total is 5137 Like, ah, that's too much. But no, 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 no. Dude, we don't, we're not after your money. Just take the courtesy card. You don't have to pay a cent today for, and for an entire year. No interest, no payments. Super Bowl, here we come. Now watch. Here's the pogus. Kids lean in. <laughs> On the surface, you're like, well, that's not a trap. That's just business. That's, that's a deal. And in a year, I'll have the money. I'll pay it back by then. What's the danger? I want you to imagine two things go very quickly. The Super Bowl and that first year. <laughs> and suddenly this balance is due. Guess what happens next? Something supernatural. Time actually begins working backwards. Because you don't pay off this entire amount the day that it goes over, guess what? It reverts to 12 months before and you immediately accrue interest at a whopping 25%. Now watch this on your courtesy card. Watch this. If you make the minimum monthly payment from here on out, guess what you will wind up paying for this TV over the life of your deal? Anybody? $29,811, okay? Yeah. This is when we do what I call the one-handed clap. Oh, you know? How many of you would pay $30,000 for a new TV, right? It's ridiculous. Guys, that's the pogus. That's the trap of debt. If you just made the minimum monthly payments, you know how long it would take you to pay off your TV in full? 55 years in seven months. In other words, you will be dead. Uh, Now look, your funeral will be in high def, okay? Because you're taking this sucker right into the grave. But listen to God's wisdom. Now listen to this. What Paul writes, he says, people who want to get rich fall in temptation and at what? A, A trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. That's how the pogus works. That's how the trap of debt works. If you think about your finances right now and you're like, man, how did we get here? This is what it is. And it's it's a trap. And it's not just the big ticket electronics, right? We strap ourselves with clothes and car leases and mortgages we can't afford because it's the American way. But the American way is a pogus, a trap. I chose the illustration of a television for the men here because men, when we blow it, we go big. It's go big or go home, right? 
But ladies, what's it for you, right? A new outfit, you know, strappy heels, a mani-pedi, you know, highlights, all that little stuff, right, that mounts up big time. And what God's word says is it leads, it's a path to ruin and destruction. Guess which activity more Americans will do in 2014? A, graduate from college. B, declare bankruptcy. It's true. More Americans will declare bankruptcy this year than graduate from college. Is that devastating? Think about that. Some of you are personally acquainted with this. Others, maybe your family's teetering on the edge of that. Spending money we don't have, is part, it's our birthright. It's what part of it being American means, right? If you've ever traveled into New York City, then you're familiar with the national debt clock that sits on 6th Avenue. I showed this to you a couple of years ago. It updates our national debt in real time. And when this clock first went live in 1989... Our national debt was a little under $3 trillion. It exceeded $10 trillion in 2008. They actually had to add a space uh, to get the numbers in there. And we want to be current. So this is actually current as of this weekend. Our national debt is now over $17 trillion. In other words, your uncle, you know, Sam, he's broke, okay? Washington's broke. We are now a nation of debtors, and the bill is coming due. We spent our way through an $800 billion stimulus package. Do you feel stimulated? Now, I get $17 trillion. It's hard to get your head around, so let me break this down for you in terms you can understand. If the U.S. government was a family, they would be making $58,000 a year, spending $75,000 with, what, $327,000 in credit card debt. That's our government. Be patriotic. It's unsustainable. It is the American way... It's the American dream turned nightmare, and it's become a trap. It is strangling many families. That's what a pogus is, something that gets a stranglehold and eventually squeezes the life out of you. And Paul says, those who, have, who fall into this, you start living like that, it will pierce you with many griefs. It causes heartache. That's what it did for Colleen and I. When you carry chronic debt around, you feel kind of hopeless because you're like, I'll never get back to zero. You think about savings, and you're like, whatever. Like, I don't even know. I know our kids could use help with college. What are we going to do? We put it out of mind. For Colleen and I, the turnaround came when we got very personal with Scripture, specifically in Proverbs 22, the book of wisdom, that gives this truth. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the what? The slave to the lender. The borrower is the slave. You can circle that in your notes. What basically it means is that every time you sign up for any kind of debt, you're surrendering a huge piece of your freedom. See, in the first century, this is in Jesus' day, a noose was not just used for a trap for animals. It was also used to put around the necks of slaves. And that's how they would lead slaves around in the first century, with a noose around their neck. Because every time you tried to pull away, what happens? It gets tighter. And they say, jump. You say, how high? You've got to follow wherever they go. And that's what happens with this kind of unsecure credit card debt. I was looking at this interview with this credit card executive, and they said, describe your ideal customer. And he said, well... Our ideal customer is somebody who never pays their bill on time or ever even. Catch this. Their entire business is based on your inability to pay, to actually spend past your limit and trap you in a cycle of indebtedness where they get to call the shots, lead you around, tell you what you can or can't do. And you wind up a slave to MasterCard instead of a servant of Christ with your money. See, folks, money's not the issue. Money by itself is not the problem. Money's not bad, actually. It's neutral. God gave it to us as a way to provide for our need. But Paul makes a distinction here. Do you see it in 1 Timothy? This is the most misquoted verse of the Bible. Oh, money's the root of all evil. Uh Uh-uh, what does it say? The 
love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And as a source of it is your desire for more. Jesus says you can actually serve both God and money. You'll be a slave to one and you'll wind up neglecting the other. You'll pierce yourself with griefs. Your family will miss out on the freedom that you were designed for. Think about all that you give up. In John Ortberg's excellent book on stewardship, he says, debt obligates you to earning pressures, right? Think about your work. When you're nostril deep in debt, any threat to your like, you know, income stream is life-threatening. You better have two jobs. You better work. never miss a day at work. The mere mention of layoffs like, sends you into a panic. I think that's why there's so much fear right now in the workplace because people don't have margin to weather unemployment, and so they're scared. They're worried. Debt undermines joy. How can you enjoy dinner out? How could you enjoy a, a trip away, you know, with your family when you're in debt? Because somewhere in the back of your head, there's this voice going, ah, we shouldn't be doing this. We can't afford this, not in the financial condition that we're in. And so your, your marriage suffers. You know what the number one cause of divorce in America is? Money issues. That's what people say. It's a surface issue. But debt robs your joy. And understand that debt cripples your ability to be generous. Generous with God. You can't tithe. You can't give back to the Lord. Generous with others. When you're in hock, it is impossible to help other people. You may have a family member or a friend come to you and say, man, I'm just in the spot right now with this financial thing, with our, our hospital bills and all that. And you're like, I want to help, but it ain't there, man. It is a very hard thing to have a heart full of compassion when your wallet has been emptied by debt. That is why the devil takes MasterCard. It is almost impossible to be a, a follower of Christ with the joy and generosity that Jesus calls us to when What's not in your wallet is what dictates it. You can't follow Jesus when you're keeping up with the Joneses. By the way, did you hear about the Joneses? They're broke, okay, like the rest of America, so stop comparing. You can't serve two masters. It's impossible to live 24-6 in God's kingdom when you're spending 24-7 at the mall. And I'll be honest, the reason I want to talk about this is because as a pastor, I'm grieved for our nation, for this area of the Northeast, and for many families in our church who fall for this. So I want to offer you hope because you may be asking, is there a way out of this? How do I get this off my neck? Folks, wherever you are, the answer is yes, there is hope. There's hope. No matter how hopeless you may feel about this, God has more for you, but it takes discipline and hard work. I'm going to shoot straight. You, some of you are going to have to give a Sabbath to your credit cards this year, okay? And retrain your brain to manage money according to biblical principles, Look back in God's words here in 1 Timothy 6, and I'm going to show you a little something. This is kind of interesting. Verse 6 and 8, let's read these together. Paul says this, Godliness with, say the word together, contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be what? Content with that. See, from God's perspective, debt is not a financial issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's about contentment. God's like, you don't take on debt because you lack money, but because you lack satisfaction. Satisfaction is a spiritual issue. It's a difficult thing in our world, being content or satisfied with what you have. It's the art of actually saying, enough. What I have is actually adequate, and I don't need to upgrade or get something bigger or better to be happy. See, our world operates 24-7. It's all about consumption. Bigger, better, faster, more. But 24-6 living is based on contentment. This is what drives all of these impulse purchases. More often than not, it's not about the product, but what it promises, right? If I have a big TV, my friends will be impressed. If I get a new outfit and look cute, the guys are going to flock to me. So, you know, <laughs> if I have a grander house, I will be a grander person. 
We use money and stuff to meet spiritual needs they were never intended to satisfy. St. Augustine says every one of us has a God-shaped hole in our heart. We spend our life trying to fill it with, you know, sex and power and money and all that it buys. The problem is, is that the hole is in the shape of God, not a 60-inch flat screen. Can I get it in here? Or whatever the thing is for you. When you recognize that contentment comes from the Spirit of God alone, from the giver of your life, not the gifts he gives you, the giver first, things change. You actually get a peace that passes understanding. You get a contentment. You're no longer driven. The noose of consumption is no longer leading you by the nose, but you get the sense that God provides everything I have and need, and I have all that I want, and if I don't have one thing more, I've learned the secret of being content. In Christ, I can do all things. But this is very difficult, Paul says. Look, you got to realize the reality of this. You brought nothing into the world, and you can take nothing out of it. You know what that means? You see a lot of luxury cars on the road nowadays, right? All sorts of options, leather buckets, DVD, GPS, all that stuff. Here's a, here, here's a vehicle you'll never see, a hearse with a luggage rack. You ain't taking any of it, okay, with you. In 70 years, it all goes back in the box. That's why Paul says, so if we have food or clothing, the basics, we will be what? Content with that simple living. We're going to live below our means. We're going to satisfy our needs, but not necessarily our wants. And that's a problem for our generation. Distinguishing between needs and wants is very blurry, right? Think about it. Food, this is a basic need. A grand caramel macchiato and scone every morning from Starbucks. Maybe not so much. I know about some of you guys. I see you there. <laughs> Transportation, that's a need for many of us. A Beamer with Bluetooth and satellite radio, it's not the only option, though it may feel like it is based on what your friends do and what you watch on television. The truth is financial freedom is not a question of money, but of lifestyle, of heart contentment. Because our culture teaches us this, as your income increases in life, you increase your consumption. This is just the way it works. So if at your first job you're in $40,000 and gets raised to $50,000, you say, awesome, I'm going to you know, rent my first townhome or something. Or if it moves from $50,000 to $75,000, we are going to get our first house and it's a little bit more of the mortgage, but it's going to stretch us, but we'll do it. If you double to $150,000, you say, you know what? Let's build a house from scratch. I've always dreamed of marble countertops or whatever your thing is. Because, but listen, if you're six figures, I know it. You start thinking about like a second vacation home. That would be a good investment, right? Guess what? I personally know people making six figures who are so maxed out. They are stretched so thin. Their level of spending is unsustainable and they're in pain. They come to see me as a pastor and they look great. They're dressed all nice and everything. And they sit down, they're like, dude, I'm drowning. And I don't know what I'm going to do because my... Your spouse doesn't know, my kids don't know, but it, and I'm like, well, why don't you scale back? They're like, we can't, dude. We've upgraded our lifestyle at every turn. And when your 24-7 expenses exceed your income, the space between evaporates, margin evaporates, and stress goes up because the whole thing collapses once you get a curveball. Yeah, I know this about your job. I don't know what your income is. I don't really care, but what I know is this. It doesn't go up and to the right forever, does it? Emergencies happen. Companies downsize. The economy takes a turn and pressure you know, skyrockets. But if you live with margin, space between your income and your expenses, something incredible happens. You actually have breathing room. You recover joy in life. You know what happens? If your car needs new tires, you just go out and get them and you pay cash. When your refrigerator breaks down, you don't break down. You don't freak out. 
because that's a spiritual issue. It's not about needing more money. It's about needing less stuff. It is breaking this consumer appetite for bigger, better, faster, more at the short tails mall now <laughs> and replacing it with the contentment of the Holy Spirit. Godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. Insight number two. Now, if you're taking notes, this is the last insight I'm going to give you today because this is an introduction. This is a game changer in my opinion. It's very practical because when it comes to things like debt, the way in is the way out. Can we say this together? The way in is the way out. I want to show you what I mean. Let's go back to our example, the 60-inch flat screen, right? The trap behind this baby is snowballing interest, right? When you don't make payments, it snowballs. It goes back to day one and then just kind of compounds on you. That just kind of snowballs, and you actually need to snowball your way out. I want to demonstrate to you something Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball. If you have your page of notes, flip to the back, and you'll see a list of sample. These are, these are imaginary debts. They're not the exact ones that Colleen and I had, but they're pretty close. You know, you may owe, you know, Best Buy, you know, 450 bucks, Target or Target, sorry, high on Target, 650. You don't even know what it was on. You're like, I just remember being in the store and just grabbing stuff off the shelf. I don't even know. Your parents, 1600 because your car broke down. They had to loan you all that. Let's say that these are your sample debts. Pretend it. Now watch this, okay? This is the what you owe. Here is the minimum payments, 50, 30, 200 that you would normally pay in the interest of all of that. What I'm about to show you could change your family's legacy forever. And here's where you need to start. You need to find 200 extra dollars, okay? And you might say, dude, I'm broke. Where am I going to get $200 from, okay? Good question. <clears throat> Think extras. Think about when you, that morning latte, when you pay your $5 tithe to St. Arbucks, okay? That's $150 a month to rent coffee, okay? You, know, you don't own coffee. You, don't, you just rent it. You have it for 30 minutes, and it's out. It's gone. Same thing with beer. Uh, you do whatever you have to do. You can cut your cable, okay? $80, $90 a month. You're like, what do I watch on my TV? I, I get it. Sacrifice. Do whatever you have to do to find this $200 because what you do may change your family's future. What you do is you start with the smallest debt you have, not the largest, but the smallest, and you take the minimum payment and add that $200. And now you're starting to pay Best Buy $250 a month. Guess what? In two months, bye-bye Best Buy. Do not go in that store again. Now watch, you're going to snowball. You take that $250 and you add it here to Target, the $30, and you begin paying them $280 a month. And guess what? Bye-bye Target in eight weeks as well, and it begins to snowball. You take that $280, add it to $480, and you say, hey, parents, thanks, Mom and Dad. I'm going to pay you off in eight weeks. And they're like, are you doing something illegal? You're like, no, it is, I'm just I'm taking responsibility. And you begin snowballing your payments. Now, think about this. You're going to take this money every month and apply it to this next series of debts that you have. You're going to pay Visa first. Then you're going to pay off your car. You're going to add it to that. And then you're going to compound that and add it to your school loans, starting with the smallest, increasing to the largest. You let the debt snowball, completely wiping out everything except your house. And suddenly you are snowballing debt in reverse. The way into debt is the way out of debt. Now catch this. If you just did what the world does, make the minimum monthly payments. Guess how long it would take you to pay these off? Any idea? Ten years. It would take you a decade, assuming you buy nothing else, by the way. Nothing else, okay? But guess, if you did the debt snowball, you know how long this would take? 21 months. Less than two years, you would be entirely debt-free. That is 99 months of not paying interest, not being a slave to the lender. 
And what's more, if you took that $1,100 a month you were paying by the end of paying all that stuff off, let's just say you invested it instead of giving it away for 99 months. You invested at 12%. You know how much you'd have saved at the end of those 99 months? $186,569. In New Jersey, that is enough to buy a garage. Okay? Listen to me. What I have just shown you is a strategy we teach in our class called Financial Peace University. This was invented by Dave Ramsey. Have you heard of Dave Ramsey? You see him on Fox News. He's a New York Times bestseller. He's written The Total Money Makeover. And this is our breakthrough class at Liquid that helped James and Kelly Gardner erase $120,000 of debt in four years. And I have invited James and Kelly to join me on stage. Would you welcome them today? They're going to share their story. Come on up, James and Kelly. This is kind of cool, pretty much a practical miracle. Tell us a little bit about this. Thank you, guys. Uh, you live in Caldwell. You're in Essex County, right? We're right here, the influence of the city. How did you erase $120,000 of debt in four years? Well, Tim, it wasn't easy. After all, the $120,000 was not it. We also owed our mortgage as well. Wow. Okay, so tell, tell us how you got there. Where did this debt come from? It came from a number of things. One of the things was we had taken out loans to help our girls with their college expenses. We had a home equity loan, a uh, home equity line of credit because we wanted to do some construction projects that we didn't have money to pay for in cash. Uh, And we also had our lowest bill at the time was a $400 plumbing bill. And we did the the debt snowball. We started with the $400. We paid it off. We had a victory. Our next bill was $20,000. So we lost a little momentum, but we kept up the program. (laughs) So you were in deep. Kelly, could you tell us what was kind of the catalyst for this turnaround? Well, Financial Peace University was offered here at Liquid in June of 2009, and I wanted to learn how to handle money God's ways, and I wasn't very good with money and math. I was good at spending, though. <laughs> so that was, that was a sure. plus, I guess. And uh, so I signed us up for the class, and uh, the only problem we kind of had was I had to tell James that we were were going to take this class, and he has a master's in finance, so he wasn't really too much on board and didn't think he needed it. Yes, yes. This is a man moment, right? Let's just acknowledge, right? (laughs) So you have a master's in finance. What did FPU teach you? It told me I should probably shred my master's degree, first of all. (laughs) Uh, Actually, because it's not just about – they don't teach this stuff in school, really. This is about behavior change. Which is, which is really big. It was very important. We were all in when we took this class. Once we started it, what we learned to do is to have structure and a plan. And we started off by cutting up our credit cards. We haven't used a credit card in almost five years. We worked, this, we worked, yep, thank you. We worked the debt snowball. We started a written monthly budget, and we had to meet every month to do that, and it improved our communication as husband and wife. And we also started to use cash, Okay, so we had envelopes. We used envelopes for food, gas, and fun money. And at the end of the month, once that envelope was done, there was nothing in it, we were done. Yeah, and you worked that system for four years. Kelly, tell us, you know, that, w- that was a hard process, though. It's discipline. Yes, it's very hard because it's not easy to say no to yourself. <laughs> it just doesn't come naturally. Uh, we're still working the system. Yeah. Uh, during that time when we were paying off the $120,000, we also had our youngest daughter finishing her last two years of college, and our um, oldest daughter was getting married, and James was in school, too, in the seminary degree. So we had to figure out how to pay 
for those things as well while we were paying the 120000 And uh, those, those three things together added up to additional $80,000. That so that's 200000 total that you erased in those four years. No wonder Dave Ramsey had you down in Nashville. In fact, check out this last part of the interview with Dave Ramsey. So what caused you to start this journey to get out of debt four years ago? Well, actually what happened was uh, we offered uh, Financial Peace University was offered at our church, Liquid Church up in New Jersey. Yeah. And Kelly told me that we were going to make a 13-week commitment during the summer. Well, I didn't tell him how many weeks it was going to be. I just told him I signed us up for a class. <laughs> and he said, you mean every Sunday for the whole summer we're going to sit in a class? I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> so we ended up, uh, we didn't miss a class. And uh, it, it has changed our life like you wouldn't believe. Well, you would believe. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, we, we just... We just embraced it, Dave. It was just an amazing, life-changing thing. And mm-hmm. I did want to say that during that four-year period, we also cash-flowed uh, our, the last two years of our daughter's college. Mm-hmm. We also mm-hmm. cash-flowed uh, three years of yeah. uh, seminary wow. that I, I went to. Wow. And we cash-flowed our daughter's wedding. Wow. So yeah. that was another seventy-five to 80000 on top of the one twenty mm-hmm. that would no doubt have been sitting in some sort of credit card or other loan debt. Wow. If we hadn't done this class. Man, you got it on the run. We got education going everywhere. We got the kids married off and we're debt free. And hey, what are you going to do now? Well, we've been teaching your class. Oh, well, so thank you. So we actually have a class going right now and it's I think our 7th time, right? Well, yep. Our 7th time seventh uh, facilitating time. it and it keeps us on track. Very cool. It it keeps us on track and um the thing is, Dave, we've made so many of the mistakes that you talk about in your class that mm-hmm. people can relate to us because we've you know, done a lot of stupid right. stuff and we've tried to out-income mm-hmm. our stupidity sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, But people can relate to us because we can say we did that, we did this, and we did that. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're still working the program. And we're not doing it anymore. We're no. not yeah. doing it anymore. No. We have no. identified no stupid and we <laughs> ran it out of the house. Yeah. I love it. Well, congratulations, you two. Can we hear it again for James and Kelly? That's incredible, guys. It's incredible. It's amazing. James and Kelly are now leaders who teach Financial Peace University here at Liquid Church. You've taught it seven times. Just look out at our church you know, family here. Who is this class for? It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Uh, it is a life-changing type of thing to do. Uh, if you are single, if you are married, if you're engaged... Uh, if you have young kids, if you have adult children like we do, you can leave a legacy for your children. If you have college loans, and I'm sure probably many of you do, or you've done some of uh, what we've done, which Dave Ramsey calls we've paid stupid tax. We've uh, taken out adjustable rate mortgages that ki- almost killed us, 401k loans or car fleeces. Uh, so those are things that if you've done that, this, this class is for you. Listen, guys, this is one of the best things we do as a church. Since we began FPU four years ago, listen to this. Families at Liquid Church have erased over $1.5 million in debt. Is that incredible? (laughs) Largely due to some leaders who are leading the way with their own personal life. And so here's the deal. We wanted to offer this at the start of the new year because we believe that some of you, this could be you next year. And if you are interested in Financial Peace University you can let us know right now. We just want you to text the letters FPU to the number on the screen. Text that right now on your phone, and we will text you back the info, all the details, the dates, the times, find out when you're available, all that kind of stuff. Because if we begin these classes in February, think about this, by Easter, you could be on the road to financial freedom. 
The class now is actually nine weeks long, correct? So it's a little bit shorter, and it's life-changing, because if you want to learn to manage your money according to biblical principles, God's word is hugely practical about this. But like you said, we've never taken a class on it, and so we're offering that to you and your kids. James and Kelly, last question. If someone's sitting here right now or they're at one of our campuses and they're debating, yeah, should I do this or not, what would you say directly to them? Sign up. Do it right now. If you follow the program, I guarantee your life will change for the best. Remember, this is not about guilt, guys. Look what the pen says. Faith is a journey, not a guilt trip. This is about freedom. Can we thank these guys? The gardeners are incredible leaders. We're grateful for you, James. Thank you. All right, thanks, Cal. Appreciate it. Guys, wherever you are today, I want you to imagine being debt-free at this time next year. Families in this church have made incredible strides by the power of God, and you can do this. I know because Colleen and I did it. With God's help, we eliminated that $20,000 noose around our neck that we had dragged around for a half decade. We now have an emergency fund. We're now saving for our kids, college, and retirement. And we've been able to increase our giving to this church, to outreaches, to Christ and his kingdom every single year. We're not rich. But we still struggle, okay? We struggle living where we do. We're juggling kids and a mortgage and all that. We're trying to just teach our kids. How do you live 24-6 in a consumer culture that always screams bigger, better, faster, more? We're finally winning, and we want your family to win too. The goal is financial freedom, ultimately leading to spiritual freedom in Christ. Because you'll no longer be a slave to the lender, but you become a slave to Christ. Money doesn't own you. God owns you. We don't serve money. Money serves us, and we serve Christ, not MasterCard. Amen? Listen, guys. Godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. And I'm excited about the legacies and families that are going to change as we take God at his word. Amen? Let's pray together, all our campuses. Father God, thank you for the gardeners and the freedom they represent, Lord, the many families who have been set free, not, Lord, just by, um, you know, better financial management, but, Lord, these are the principles of freedom that you set forth from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ, we look at your life. You left the riches of heaven and became poor for our sake that we might gain the freedom of the children of God. You paid our debts on the cross with your blood. Thank you for that spiritual freedom. I ask now in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will empower men and women, husbands and wives, to make a bold, courageous choice today, Lord, and take a step towards the path of freedom that you have ordained for them. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thanks for the gardeners, and thanks for what you're going to do in 2014. And all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.